Hello and welcome to He's Dropping at the Movies. I'm Mike. And I'm Jose. And uh, we've just come back from the Mac where we've seen the first screening of this year's Screening Rights Film Festival in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film is Permission from Iran. Uh, which came out last year, or the, the, the year given on IMDb is 2018, and it'll be one of these films that's making its way around. Hmm. Um, it's about a uh, female footballer in Iran, an uh, indoor footballer, who captains her national team, and when they get through to the final of the uh, Asia Cup, I think, in Malaysia, um, she can't go because her husband uh, has banned her from leaving the country, which is something he's legally allowed to do. That's right, so that's how the her, film begins. So that's that's the that's the, the start of the film, yeah. Um after the film, you chaired a uh, discussion about it. Yes, I chaired a discussion uh, with Rian Shabul and uh, Saeed Zaydabadik uh, Nejar <laughs> from uh, the University of London. He's written uh, a very interesting book called The Politics of Iranian Cinema. And actually, between Rian and Saeed, the conversa- you know, it led to a really interesting conversation where kind of all of the audience got involved and which I think uh, really enriched my understanding uh, of the film. Yeah, um, I agree. So... Uh, Rianne's focus is Egyptian on, cinema. On Egyptian cinema, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but, uh, but together, I think uh, they really incited a really interesting discussion that I, I think uh, uh, really started off the Screening Rights Film Festival on a really high note, So, because this was the opening film yeah. of that festival. Uh, and uh, if the discussion keeps up, uh, then it will be truly excellent because the whole point of this festival is to raise awareness through cinema about kind of human rights issues across the world. And uh, here, basically, the film focuses on, you know, the condition of women and, you know, how they're oppressed by a particular type of patriarchy that gives men all of the power in the culture. Yeah. The film is written and directed by Sohel Beragi, mm. uh, who's a director I'd not heard of before. This is his second feature. Yes, I'd not heard of him either. Um, and the star, who plays Afruz, the, mm. the central uh, character, the footballer who can't leave the country, is played by uh, Baran Kosari, mm. who again I'd not heard of, but uh, Saeed was talking about how she was really the kind of driving force behind the film. Yes, she wanted to tell the this story and she's a star. Mm. Um, so it's, it's down to her that the film got made. It's what he seemed to be suggesting. Mm. Um, I thought it was a really interesting film and I'm very glad that I've seen it. Mm. Um, very early on in the film when the, the kind of the, the drama is set up that they're at the airport that all the team is going to go to Malaysia and at uh, she put her passport over and she's told by a nameless, faceless uh, sort of customs guy you can't see um, you can't go. Your husband has put the block on. Yes. Like immediately, it's it's a real pit in the stomach feeling because they've been having such a good time up till then. The film opens on them winning their semi final to get to the final, and they're having such a great time. And they're just these you know group of young girls really having a giggle, having a laugh, mm. enjoying their lives. Um, and the injustice is so obvious. You know, there's not even a question that this is wrong morally. Could you imagine the reverse? Could you imagine if David Beckham, you know, was going to captain England? And Posh said, no, you can't go. And that means he misses, you know, the, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. World Cup final. <laughs> it's unthinkable. Yeah, it, it is. It's absolutely unthinkable. And one of the um, things that was brought up in the discussion that I think is an interesting point is that the the husband, for the first sort of half hour of the film, is not a figure that you see. Mm. Um, 
he's ominous by his lack of presence. Mm. And it's the effect that he has on uh, uh, Afruz um, that is sort of... It, make, it makes it scarier by his absence, you know, mm. that, he, that he's this powerful. He doesn't even have to be there. She's trying to call him. He's blocked her number. She goes to where he lives. He's not there. And actually, when, when you sort of first, quote-unquote, see him, when you don't actually see him, he's in a giant black 4x4 four four, ramming her tiny little Peugeot 206. He's out to kill her or something. Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. You know, it's real sort of sort of horror movie stuff at that point. Mm. Um Eventually, you know, he he physically comes into the picture, and discussions start to happen and things. Um, so, so I suppose, so go on. What did what did you make of what did you make of it? What do you think was most interesting? Well, I, I mean, I think there were a lot of points that were brought on the discussion. So basically, to take up from where you left off, um, she tries to call them, can't find them. Uh, um, you know, she talks to the organizers to make an exception for her. She is, after all, the captain of the steam that is at the world finals. So can't an exception be made for her? The answer is no. Uh, so the 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 manager of the football team, or you know the woman who is very high up anyway, tells her to go and negotiate with her husband. And she says something like, "You're a woman. You can convince him. Kind of be soft, right? Mm. I be yeah, be womanly." Uh, and basically, kind of she tries to do that. Uh, in fact, there's this really. Rianne said that, you know, that the scene that made her most uncomfortable in the film is just a simple one where Afruz uh, goes to talk to her husband, really submits to everything that he wants. And then the scene that you're not shown or and then, you know, you're not shown a lot. But then there's the scene where she's brushing her teeth viciously. Right. And you really get the feeling you know, that she's been violated, that, you know, her husband probably forced her to, you know, kind of have oral sex with him and that she's disgusted with herself and with the whole situation, you know, but kind of she's done her best, yeah, to get him to change his mind. And then kind of what, you, what you're what you shown after is they go to a lawyer, he agrees to let her go, you know, and then spitefully tears up the agreement in front of her face as soon as they've left uh, the, the lawyer's office. Mm-hmm. So kind of... You know, the film progresses and it gets worse and worse. It's kind of, it's like a real melodrama in the sense that, you know, this woman has only one desire to represent her country, right? Uh, As captain, she's earned this right to do so. It's taken her 11 years, she said, to get to that point. And just at the moment of triumph, her husband forbids it because he can. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um... So and this is a husband, I suppose we should also say, they've been separated for a year, and he has a kind of bruised ego. And you get the feeling that, uh, although the it's very obvious that the law is unjust and really should not allow this, you get the feeling that there is a kind of give and take in the relationship where he may have some justification for feeling um, uh, neglected or mm. something like that. Um, you know, so... I think there is there is this kind of bruised ego thing coming in where everything was fine until I became captain of the national team mm. and all of a sudden now I'm too good, you know now now he can't handle it. Mm. So there's an element of that which um, which is uh, uh, pretty unfair. But there is also this thing about her uh, lying to him about mm. having gone to this therapist who said we need six months apart and then she turned it into a year. Turns out even the therapist didn't even exist. Yes. So, you know, she, there's, there's been some wrongdoing on her part, it seems. Yeah, you, you, you get the sense that there's a reason for the conflict from both sides. But you also are very clear at all times that the law yeah, 
is completely behind him and that he mm-hmm. has got absolute power where she has almost none at all. Yeah, and right. he's able to use the law as a weapon. That's right, against her. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so actually, it's, it's a very powerful film and I think, uh, uh, like, you know, with a lot of Iranian melodrama, really, uh, it's quite restrained and also it's, it's quite indirect. So, you know, the, the things that are most, most powerful in the film are those that are suggested or not shown or, you know, that in a way you could um, disavow, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, you see her brushing your teeth. You don't see her vi- being violated, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, her best friend whom she's been roommates with is a woman. So there's a really strong suggestion, as you pointed out, you know, that there's a lesbian relationship there, mm-hmm. right? And that that's kind of, you know, part of what's being unspoken. Yeah. Um, so, so I think the film, um, is very, is very good at kind of connoting all of these things, uh, and making them absolutely clear without quite showing them. Yeah. Because as you say, the censorship, when the last things, it's very, it's very much like, in fact, exactly the same as kind of Hays Code periods, mm. Hollywood, where you had to codify things, you had to suggest things. Mm. Um, cause to the point where, when I brought up the possibility of a romantic relationship between the two girls mm. um, in the discussion, I was kind of saying maybe, you know, is there a possibility I'm reading too much into this because there are certain things about it. As Rianne said, the thing is, everything that these two girls get up to together is something that is that you would expect uh, straight women to get up to together. Mm. Like women hang out together in Iran, they're encouraged to, they're kind of, there's a very strong kind of separation between uh, men, men and women kind of socially in the country. So the kind of things they get up to, even living together, is is not something that you would automatically mm. uh, read a romantic relationship into. So, you know, it's definitely something that you can read into the film, especially, I suppose, with the idea that um, she's separated from her husband mm. and she is kind of an active participant in separating from her husband. You know, she's the one who wants to be separated. Mm. Um, uh, but it's not something that is kind of set in stone. And if, you were, if, you, if you're the filmmaker and you want to deny that to a censor, you're absolutely able to because you just say, no, this is just two women mm. hanging out. <laughs> this is, mm. They're friends. Exactly, but it's very, very strongly suggested. Exactly, you know? yeah. Um, and I think the film makes a very powerful argument for how, you know, women are oppressed uh, by uh, this type of situation where kind of all of the law is, you know, behind the man in this one particular issue, which is that women need men's permission to leave the country to travel, mm. right? So I think Said said, well, in some ways, obviously, it's kind of like a middle class problem. Yeah, that kind yeah. of only people who have the money to leave the country um, face this problem. But nonetheless, they face it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like if you if you were, if you were worse off than these women, then you'd be like, well, that's a nice problem to have. But it's a real problem. But it's a real problem. Uh, and it highlights uh, what may be other, you know, less uh, well-to-do women nonetheless face, which is kind of, you know, a situation which is kind of demonstrably unfair and unjust and which kind of, you know, shifts the power onto men and then which leaves uh, women very little option but to submit, really. And I think one of the things that the film is so interesting about is that she doesn't submit. She fights, yeah, Mm. and she fights right to the end, really. I was. I suppose I was disappointed by um, her teammates for not sticking up for her. 
Um, I could see uh, the manager of the team, the, the, this woman who, um, as you were suggesting or, or, or asking in the discussion, is she a villain? Mm. Um, you know, certainly does have that aspect. And actually, she reminded me kind of, um, you know, the Aunt Lydia character in The Handmaid's Tale? Uh-huh. The sort of the woman who, who is... I don't know, is Uncle Tom the right word? Like a spokesman for the men. She's she's on their side yes. and, and keeps other women down. Well, exactly. I mean, I do think that she can be regarded as the villain or a villain in the piece. I mean, just structurally, right? Like, mm. I think there are four main women in the film, four main roles, yeah. right? One is her her, her colleague, her, uh, you know, uh, her teammate, who might also be her lover, Right. The other one is the lawyer who's trying to fight for her rights. And the other one is this woman who's got all this power in the organization. She's like, you know, part manager and part chaperone of the women's team, right? Yeah. You know, who's clearly got contacts everywhere, who actually can make things happen or, you know, forbid things from happening, right? And who's kind of, for various reasons, working against the protagonist. Yeah, she refuses to to help. And you know that she could. She does enjoy power in the position that she has. That's right. Um, I think her position is kind of clear, but um, but the rest of her teammates um, leave, and the last you see of them is in the airport at the start. That's at the very beginning of the film. That's yeah. the very beginning, and um, and and right at the end of the film, because what happens is the one teammate stays behind, the one who is her roommate slash possible lover. Um, she stays behind um, to to be with her, and eventually is talked into joining the team by the manager. Um, who says, you know, someone's going to take a Fruz's place, we can mm. make you a starter, no more starting on the bench for you, you know, mm. she's a substitute normally. Um, and she eventually decides to leave, and, you know, they've, it, their relationship is an interesting one, they've had their conflicts a long way, but they're clearly very close, and when uh, she's kind of getting her stuff together to leave for the airport, mm. and Fruz is, I think, upset, and probably feels a bit betrayed, but also understands like it was it, it mm. was a subtle scene I thought subtle scene the, the way that was played between the two of them and one of the things she says is um, thank all the other teammates mm. thank all the other members of the team for not even sending me a text you can imagine how that would be dangerous as well yeah yeah yes you know so one of the conversations that uh, you know the that woman who runs the team has uh, with uh, the teammate is, you know, show me all your emails, you know, show me yeah. all your messages, right? Or I've seen your messages, yeah, kind of show them, yeah? So, yes, that's right. so it's not a society where people are free to act according to their wishes. There are all kinds of social yeah, constraints and certainly kind of legal ones. And this film is just about one aspect of them, yeah? The refusal of husbands or the control that husbands have over their wives traveling out of the country and the repercussions of all of that, but also kind of what that signifies in all other kinds of areas you know so I think uh, the women not texting her her teammates not texting her can't just be seen as a as a lack of support it can also be seen as a demonstration of great fear yeah um, yeah and I suppose um, it's it, it, um, uh, strengthens the um, reading of uh Afruz's relationship with her teammate as a romantic one because she has the she doesn't go with the rest of the team she has the confidence yes. to stay behind you know, there's a reason she wants to do that I thought at the moment when they were in the airport I thought okay something will happen and she'll go that's one possibility is this right at the start or at the end at the end alright yeah. yeah so when she goes to say goodbye 
to her teammate, who may also be her lover. You know, I thought in a typical romantic <laughs> kind of, you know, Hollywood ending, someone would show up and get her on the plane. Yeah. Right. And then when that didn't happen, you know, and she's going through up these stairs, I thought, oh my God, now she's going to commit suicide. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, that I didn't thought, occur to me. I thought that was a possibility. That's when all the women were singing in church. You know, yeah. And you realize that she's going up, but actually she's going up to a church. I thought she might be going up, you know, to the roof or something. Um, and then, of course, uh, at the end, uh, uh, she humiliates her husband in his own show. Yeah. yeah, he's a television presenter and she calls in. That's right. I must say, it, it was intercut. Them at the airport and her saying goodbye to her friend uh, was intercut with the husband um, watching footage of her games yes. on TV, like watching it back, and, and, and then getting ready to go out. And it wasn't clear exactly what he was doing and I thought that might be him having a change of heart and going to the airport to... Give her the I right thought that was thought a possibility. That might be but that. actually, what you end up realizing is that his last guest is a shooting champion, you know, who's won all these award, international awards. She's been at the Olympics. Yeah, and yeah, an Olympic medal winner, you know, who is a mother and the, whose husband is very at ease with her achievements and so on, right? Mm. So, you know, kind of he's looking at footage of his own wife achieving equally, right? Uh, but you, you you eventually see that actually it's in preparation for this other interview, rather. Yeah, though it also has a connotation of a desire or a long... Yeah, I mean, mm. the footage is shown in slow motion, so it's, it is an admiring look, yeah, at her playing. Was it slow motion? I, I didn't think so. it was. Oh. But well. I think it's just a slow sort of shot, because the only thing moving is the telly. He's just sat there sort of looking at it. Well, I mean, perhaps, yeah. Um, but I mean, it has that feeling to it. Yes. Um, I agree. Um, I mean, he's an interesting character because clearly, I think, um, he does have a desire for her, but it's also a desire to dominate. And his desire to dominate is inextricable from his desire for her, which is why she finds it so unacceptable. Mm. Uh, and he behaves completely brutally. At the beginning, he tries to kill her. Yeah, then uh, he leads her on, he rapes her, uh, he kicks her out of the house she lives in, uh, rendering her homeless, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, and then he's smugly sitting in this nostalgia show at the end, which is really, I imagine, an image also of conservatism, right? He's playing kind of yeah. nostalgic music, and it's like, I forget. I forget what the show is called, but something like In the Good Old Times or something like that. Good Old Days, I think. Yeah. Is that what it was? So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the really powerful thing about the ending, because ultimately at the end she's not allowed to go. She loses in court, so she's not able to um, get a divorce. She's not able to force the court to, to, to let her go or anything like that. She basically loses all the kind of legal uh, aspects of the battle. Um, but she calls into to the show and she says, you know, on air, um, 
you know, how can you have this woman on and praise her for being such a wonderful sports person and wife? He literally introduced her as, what is it like to be a wife, a mother, and a, an athlete and excel at all three? That's how he introduced yes. her. And so when when Afruz rings up and says, how can you have this woman on and praise her for all this stuff, but you're so uncomfortable with your own wife's athletic achievements, uh. he, uh, he, he gets embarrassed and humiliated and, and claims that the connection's bad and ends the show. And that's the end of the film. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of her victory. Mm. Whatever that, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see how that sort of developed. You know? Yes, though um, there was a title card after that said, 15 women." I think it was eight. Eight athletes have been denied exit by their husbands from Iran, and countless others. We, we don't know an exact figure for women who aren't athletes, but just any women. Yeah, and and what year did they mention? Was it 2015? Oh, I don't know. Okay, um, I'm just but that was in a year, wasn't it? Yeah. So, um, so it means that Afruz's problem is a social problem, and therefore, you know, I thought this was a kind of a wonderful beginning for a festival that is about kind of human rights. Yeah, you know, it's about kind of uh, 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 rights, kind of worldwide, and I think it kind of illustrates, you know, kind of um, the, the 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 condition of women. Uh, the oppression of women and kind of you know the restraints of an extremely kind of patriarchal culture uh, very vividly well I think it's partially um, the the women's uh, rights issue which is completely apparent but the specific women's rights issue here is one of freedom of movement yes uh, which um, you know also occurred to me and that's and that throughout the world is not so uh, closely tied to gender yeah um, you know we, we have um, we have our own uh, sort of attitudes to freedom of movement in this country at the moment. That's right. Um, which, uh, <laughs> I course, hadn't made that connection, but that's a very good one. Yeah, uh, it really occurred to me. Um, I suppose the difference here is is uh, people in this country who don't want freedom of movement want to stop people coming in, as opposed yes. to leaving. Yes. But it's still about sort of it's well, it's still about control. Yeah. But the one other thing that I was going to talk about about that phone call that she makes at the end is that throughout the film she's been told shut up mm. basically uh, particularly by the coach of the team the the the, the, uh, the aunt lydia character mm. um you know keep this keep it quiet we'll deal with it internally that sort of thing because right at the start even before any of this happened she was on her phone doing a live stream with the team in the uh, in the um changing room before the match mm. semi-final and and the manager goes no no not having that you know um but it's only when she sort of does take to social media again a little bit later, and then the lawyer um, speaks to Voice of America, which is that a radio show, I think. Uh, must Not be, sure, I don't but know. it's something like that. Hmm. Um, you know, that that's when that's when sort of I suppose that's when pressure starts to be applied. Yes, really. So part of the like crime, when you keep it inside, you you can avoid feeling that pressure. Yes, part of the problem, or is. Um, bringing international attention to an internal Iranian issue. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of is also homologous to kind of bringing outside attention to what happens within a family. Right. So kind of, you know, the film is making connections between that, I think, in interesting ways. Yeah. The the attitude of the coach is basically don't air your dirty laundry in public. That's right. But this is kind of dirty laundry that really needs to be aired in public because if, if it's kept inside... It can be ignored and will be ignored, yeah. and that's exactly what they're trying to do. So you know, although she loses out, ultimately she can't play in the final, um, she can't join the team. She is able to use her voice 
to humiliate her husband for what um, he's done. Cinematically, kind of, what did you think of the film? Um, I suppose it, I didn't feel it had an awful lot of flair. Um, I think there were there were scenes the the scene where uh, the husband is ramming the car was scary, but there was something about it that I felt could have been atmospherically stronger. Mm. Um, but but actually, because I, um, I was thinking, I wish I I wish I had more of a sense of the danger that they're under in terms of driving. Because the thing is that the, the, the danger from behind them, mm. the car being rammed, is very clear. Um, and that kind of scary image of the car being so huge in comparison to their mm. small car. But the danger of them having to speed away through busy streets is not so clear. Mm. And I wanted more of a sense of that. But then what Rianne said about the camera being... Um, I think it was Rianne. Uh, talking about the camera being inside the car with them and not being outside means that you get this sense of, although they're moving constantly, they're trapped, mm. which I thought was an interesting idea. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I think I think that scene could could still have been a little better, but I, I, that was an interesting idea that I hadn't considered. And I really liked the scene, the kind of arbitration scene. The courtroom scene. Yeah, so with, with the husband on the right and then a couple of seats away, the lawyer and then a fruise and sort of behind the camera, you never see him is the uh, judge and it's a long take it's probably a five minute take yeah and it just sits there yes and they have this it's, discussion it's very it's 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 a shot that made us all think about Osgar for Hardy's uh, The Separation yeah. which I've still not seen which is uh, brilliant uh, um, and you know the, the that scene is you know very much recalls that really um um, what happens in a separation? I'm not seeing it. Well, the separation is about a woman trying to divorce her husband. Yeah. Right? And kind of, you know, you see it basically, you know, from both of their perspectives. They have a child. You know, they live together. It's kind of much more complex and kind of um, less clear-cut than this one. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of, it's, uh, it's more subtle because, you know, there's kind of real love between the characters. Also, they're taking care of... Um, the husband's elderly father. Yeah, so it's kind of tied in with all of these emotional kind of entanglements and ambiguities. You know, this is much more straightforward and straight cut. It's just wrong, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, this uh, is kind of, this is really about power. Yeah. And also about image, I think, particularly with the husband, the way he wants to be seen because he doesn't want to admit to feeling um, sort of overtaken yes. by his wife. Um, because even to, you know... That would be humiliating. Um, so he ends up kind of falling back on, this is just my right. But he does say things like, he, he does talk about about the thing about the therapist, his wife inventing this therapist as an excuse to separate from him. Um, which is like, it's it's a reasonable sort of thing to be upset about. But it's but for him, what it is really is a convenient way of of justifying his decision, which but, is not, when it's not really about that. Yeah, but it's also unreasonable. I mean, you could say... You hurt my feelings by doing that, but not. I'm going to stop you from the greatest moment of your life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it remains a disproportionate response. response but, yeah. but but the point is, we like it's 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 a form of justification, even if it is disproportionate. It's a thing he can talk about, you know, yes. um, it, as because without that, he would really just have nothing, and he would just be saying, "No, this is just my decision, and you're going to have to just live with it." Which he also says. Yeah, but it's made very clear in the film that even though he has the right to do what he has. 
it's very unreasonable to exercise it and it's very wrong to exercise it. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no way in which film... I, I, one of the questions that I sort of asked in the um, discussion was, is the film trying to kind of complexify or complicate the morality? And I think it's, ob- it's obvious that it isn't. Mm. You know, so when, so when it gives the husband uh, sort of... Um, when it gives him reasons behind what he's doing or, or justifications or what he thinks are justifications... You know, I don't think there's any way of saying that the film is suggesting that there is a moral right in what he's doing. Mm. It, there absolutely isn't, and the film is 100% legally behind a fruit, mm. you know, completely. Um, I mean, I don't think that scene is... Well, okay, I haven't seen a separation, so I'm not comparing it to a separation in terms of its complexity. But I don't think it's simple. You know, I think, the, I think, I think to our eyes, it's so obvious what the legal decision mm. should be, or, or rather, it's so obvious that the law is wrong. Wrong. Um, but but I do think that scene is complex because it is still about there are complexities in these characters' relationships and the arguments that they make and I think it's a really brilliantly written and performed scene because it it, it has ebbs and flows and they shout and they get quieter and they talk about different things and they, and every response that a character has to someone else's point is reasonable not reasonable necessarily but makes sense the, the dialogue moves in an organic way well um I think you can understand his point of view while seeing him as really unreasonable and exercising brute power. Yes. And I think the film's complexities come from other elements and actually not from, you know, trying to make the husband into, you know, a good person who has his reasons. You know, after all, he is somebody who's tried to kill her, you know, who's raped her and has kicked her out of her own home. <laughs> right? Like, so, you yeah. know, the film does not side with him. Right? Yeah, so, no, yeah absolutely. Um, uh, but anyway, kind of uh, let's wrap it up. I actually thought that this was a brilliant uh, um, film with which to begin this particular um, film festival. Really, you know, it kind of, you know, it is very much about kind of um, social issues and about human rights and about kind of women's rights. And certainly, I think it led to a wonderful discussion on all of those issues. Yeah, I think it's a really promising start to the festival. And I would say that it's. it's a really enjoyable film. Yes. Maybe that's something that we, we should... Um, well, yeah, yeah, we should underline that. Do you agree? Sure, I do agree. Yes. <laughs> like, it's an enjoyable watch. Yes. Right? I think partly it's the quality of the storytelling and the performances. Um, you know, I want to see more of these people. I want to see them interacting, mm. which is great. And I think when, when the drama gets sort of heightened and people get kind of upset and angry, um, particularly in that courtroom scene, I think there's some really really emotionally mm. sort of strong moments yes that I loved great so uh, we both recommend it do see it if you get a chance um, you know uh, uh, it's it's playing again at the Screening Rights Film Festival but if you don't get to see it there uh, it's uh, it's, a, it's a film that will be available on video on demand and uh, I highly recommend it <coughs> yeah yeah cracking movie enjoyed it all right and thank, thank you, you to the Screening Rights Film Festival for putting it all together. And thank you for hosting that talk. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is eavesdropping at the movies, and we are on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify to listen to. Our social media is Facebook and Twitter at Eavesdrop Movies. Uh, and our website is eavesdroppingatthemovies.com. Thank you very much for listening. Cheerio. Cheerio.